Hello, film lovers. Yes, it's that time of the week again. Sit down, relax, pop in your headphones, and whap out some popcorn. It is time for the Films I Love Most podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Films I Love Most podcast. Yes, I'm back in the dungeon. It's dark and gloomy down here and it's dark and gloomy for a reason because it's nearly October and nearly Halloween. So I'm very excited about that. We have a packed show for you today. I will be doing a lot of reviews, a lot of reviews, a lot of reviews. And also talking about the London Film Festival... And of course, we have small screen, we have film I love most, and film found for a pound. I am here drinking a lovely big cup of tea. As you know, I can't do a podcast without one. Uh, No Bourbons today, as I am trying to cut back on the sugary treats. So, yeah, I'm trying to get winter body ready. You know, I think that's the thing now, I'm not sure. But yeah, lots coming up on the Films I Love Most podcast. Very excited. I hope you are too. Now it's time for some movie news. So the big movie news is that Spider-Man is back in the MCU. MCU, yes. It was announced last week that Spider-Man is back in the Marvel Universe thanks to a deal being reached between Disney and Sony, which is really good news because I thought it would have been a massive shame to have that lovely two-film setup that they've done with the Marvel Universe for Spider-Man and just to throw it away because they can't negotiate on a, you know, a price. And I'm so glad for the fans that this has turned out because, you know fans stick with a franchise and when the franchise goes bust or something like that happens it's you know heartbreaking and it's it's a shame but I'm so glad that they have managed to pull themselves together um yeah what else is happening birds of prey um trailer is coming very very soon for the spin-off from the suicide squad so birds of prey is going to feature Robbie Mar- um, Margot Robbie, sorry, as Harley Quinn, Robbie Margot. Ooh, that's that's another name for someone. Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, that she, uh, the role that she played in the Suicide Squad. Obviously, fingers are crossed that this film is so much better than the Suicide Squad because that is probably one of the worst movies I have ever seen. So yeah, yeah. Um, another bit of weird news. Nancy Stevens is returning to the Halloween franchise for Halloween Kills. Now, if you don't remember who Nancy Stevens is, Nancy Stevens played the nurse, Marion Chambers, at the beginning of the movie. So it's very interesting how that this film seems to be bringing a lot, and I mean a lot, of old cast members back to the mix i'm really really interested to see what storyline they're going to come up with so if you're a halloween movie that's another cast member added to halloween kills so that's fantastic so yeah that's my big movie news of the week do you have any movie news to tell me of course let me know on instagram facebook or twitter So let's talk about our sister show, The Films I Love Most podcast, the sequel, which is running a very, very exciting, exclusive, month-long look at horror movies throughout the ages called The 31 Days of Terror. If this is something that, you know, sparks a fancy in you, then please head on over to iTunes, Google Podcasts, 
or Spotify. Type in the Films I Love Most podcast, the sequel, and you will find it there. And you can download episodes that are available. So, if you like horror movies and you want a really exciting build-up to this year's Festival of Halloween, then please get on over to the Films I Love Most podcast, the sequel, and have a listen to the 31 Days of Terror. Now it's time for film reviews. Bon soiree. It is 5 to 11 on Wednesday the... Oh. 25th of September. 25th of September. And I'm, we're sitting in Leicester Square having just watched... Hustlers. Hustlers. Starring Jennifer Lopez. Constance Wu. Oh, don't ask me to do the next <laughs> one. You know how bad I am. Carney B. Carney B, yes, who was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Hustlers, what did you think? It was so Oh, no, fun. hang on a minute. Oh, okay. Shall we tell the story, tell first? The story first? Okay, so we were waiting in the queue for to get tickets, and um, it was the Joker uh, pre- premiere tonight? Preview, preview. Preview tonight at Leicester Square. So I look around and glance behind me, as I often do, and there is Joaquin Phoenix himself walking past us. I say to Hannah... Look now, he's right behind us. Walking Phoenix is right behind us. And I didn't believe it. And she didn't believe me. I didn't believe you. But then you did turn round. And I saw him. You saw there him. There he was. There he was. Looking in all very his... nice in his very nice suit. Very, very nice. Yes. In his gl- a glorious suit. What a glorious... A black suit. A specimen. Slicked back. <laughs> Grey hair. Very nice. Yes, so we got to see Walking Phoenix tonight at the preview of Joker, which obviously we'll be reviewing in the future. Although we didn't see the preview, we just saw Joaquin. Yes, we were actually just queuing up for Hustlers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry I did interrupt you. What did you think of Hustlers? It was so much fun. I mean, we enjoyed it. We were laughing the whole way through. It was so much fun. And Jennifer Lopez, she's great. I really like her. Um, She's a good actor and, God, she's so much fun. And she looks amazing for her age. Unbelievable how well she danced on the stripper pole in the film. I mean, all of them were definitely very good at the pole dancing. Yes. Um, a film that sort of has a very cynical look at men, and I think rightly so. I yeah. was a little bit of a shame to be a man watching that movie, although I am a gay man, so that doesn't really count that I'm watching, obviously, women dance and that sort of disgusting mm. behaviour, From in my opinion, of, you know exploiting women like that I think it's bad but what did you think of like the um, how they used that in the film what do you was it an equal balance because you know it was it's a difficult one I was thinking about it through the film did that was there justice for women and justice for the men that were sort of hustled by the the ladies well no there weren't wasn't justice for the men but the backdrop of the whole thing is the 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 Wall Street crash in the sort of like 20, 20, early 2000s and all, the women have all the power in the situation and they they get everything they want out of them even though the men may think that they are treating the women as commodities in the end and rightly so I mean the men are bastards in this film yeah like you see them at their um, like basic instinct so mm-hmm. to speak of... although you do also see the other side of it when they exploit men who are nice men sure there's, yeah. uh, there's a bit where they exploit a man who's Broken up for his wife, his son's got autism, his house has burnt down, and that's sort of the the uh, the linchpin, isn't it? The changing point yes, exactly. in their attitudes. Yeah. So, well, in the attitude of the lead character Dorothy, she's the one who has the pang of guilt, and then the others are not so inclined to be guilty, and no. that kind of causes a drift between their relationship. And like you says, it is based mostly around the effects of the the crash mm-hmm. in two thousand and eight, which the whole world felt the uh, the effects. But it focuses on those effects of um, gentlemen's clubs, shall we call them, yes. or stripped bars, as they as they're known in the United States. Um, yeah, great cast. I love Jennifer Lopez, and I'm just mm-hmm. going to throw it out there. We're not going to make a bet because I think you're going to agree with me. Possible. Award Oscar nomination there oh, for so? Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, oh, I do. I don't know. I don't know. You know. Would you be surprised if she was nominated? I, I think I'd be surprised actually. Really? Not that I don't think that she was good, but I think it would be a something that they wouldn't usually choose. That kind of a. It a ticks role. the boxes. Yeah. It was a strong 
role with a strong message mm-hmm. based on a true story mm-hmm. and um, a great performance. So I think it ticks mm-hmm. a lot of Oscar boxes. Um, whether the film will be sort of in there for maybe best picture or best screenplay as oh, well. I don't think so. No? I, I know it sounds so negative right now. I really love the film, but I just don't, I can't imagine it being chosen in. Hmm, we'll have to see, won't we? Yeah. Do you think the title of the film might be a little bit of an issue? That they're hustlers. I mean, the, I know hustlers is a big part of the story, but do you think having hustlers... Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't choose to go and see this film in the cinema. I only went because we were like, let's go and see something. <laughs> yeah. Hustlers is the only thing on. Yeah. Um, but I didn't choose it because I saw the title, um, I saw the cast list, <laughs> and I thought, I don't think this is aimed at me. <laughs> Um, but it turns out it was a really but good again, film. But then again, it's kind of campy. Don't you think it is sort of aimed at you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that because it's like an, an over um, an overdoing of the sort of sexualization? Like, oh, and this is why we're friends. Camp. You know me so well. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that there is an an element of campness. I think that. Um, what, I, what I'm really glad that it didn't go down the route of, and I'm not sure if it actually happened in real life, but there was a lot of an affection between um, the, the characters, the women in it. I'm glad they didn't over-tip that balance to have them, you know, maybe like kiss at some point and make it mm. like that sort of relationship. They kept it, they were solid, they were friends, they were family, and I really liked that. It was a very genuine, sense, like, touching relationship between the two. Yeah. With genuine feeling. You felt that they... You felt that they really cared about each other. It was very convincing. Yeah. The sound design and production was really good oh, as well. Great music, yes. Oh, the soundtrack is immense. <laughs> yeah. I might actually just download the soundtrack yes. for my everyday like housework. Yes. Because it's such a good... You know, cause it's, it, um, it takes place in various uh, periods in mm. time. So you have like pre-2008, 2008, and then like maybe up to 2015. Mm. So the music echoes the mm. the time period that we're in, and I love that yeah. because you know we were like bop- I was bopping oh, yeah. away, I was having a right good time. But the music of their heyday is the the points where they're dancing and sort of living the sure um, they're sort of in their groove and that, yeah, that's kind of like 2008 Britney, um, some Rihanna. It's really yeah yeah yeah, and also what I was talking about like the the sound design as well. There's a bit when there's a sting going on, and mm. one of the girls is wearing oh, a wire. Yeah. And then you hear what is happening on the wire rather than what is happening in the room. And mm. I thought that was really so neat. kind of a muffled kind of microphone sound. Yeah, and the sound. crackling yeah. of the, uh, the wire, which is nice. Mm. And there's also a bit when um, Dorothy's character storms out of the room when she's being interviewed by the journalist. And, and when she storms out, it's almost like the sound goes dead. Mm-hmm. So there's complete silence up to the point where she slams the door on the mm. journalist. And I thought that was nice because it's almost like in her head she's not listening to anything. Mm. You know, this journalist has is, is over, overstepped, over, overstepped the mark and is like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not listening to you anymore. And yeah. therefore there was silence. And I, I thought that was really nice as well. Yeah. Um, what would you give it out of 10? Oh, maybe an 8. I really enjoyed yeah. it. I'm going to give it an 8 as well. Yeah. I, it thorough, I was thoroughly entertained. I thought the sequences in the club were great. I thought there was a little bit of repetition going on, which made me laugh, especially when the girls are hustling. And, like, every man that you see them hustling, they sort of had the same formation when they were walking into the yes. bar. And, and that was almost like they were such a well-oiled machine. Mm. Um, and I really thought that was great. And like you said, the soundtrack was just immense. Yeah. I'm going to like literally be doing my little inner dance all the way home on the tube. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. We've seen Joaquin Phoenix in the flesh. Yes, I'm not two metres away from him. Yeah, and I feel like I've seen a lot of Jennifer Lopez in the flesh also. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was our review for Hustlers. Good night. Good night. The Day Shall Come is a new American slash British comedy from writer Chris Morris and Jesse Armstrong. It's also directed by Chris Morris, um, who wrote and directed Four Lions a few years ago, if you saw that film. Very funny, very sort of black comedy based around a group of Islamic terrorists in London. I know, doesn't sound like a funny subject matter, but they pulled it off quite well. Um, This film is set in the States, and one sort of lone wolf Moses Marchant Davis has set up this community in Miami and is basically trying to start a little bit of a peaceful revolution 
and he owns a farm with his wife and he recruits two sort of guys off the street to try and take them away from knife crime. So he's actually trying to do a lot of good in this movie, but his ideal, his ideals and his uh, beliefs are quite extreme. So he immediately goes onto the radar of the FBI, um, who Anna Kendrick's character works for and is investigating um, Marchant Davis Moses's character. As the film progresses, it's clear that the FBI want to use Moses as a scapegoat to try and get him to buy weapons or to buy plutonium at one point so they can set him up so it looks like that they are try they are doing their best against the war against terrorism to try and keep their funding so to speak so that they can see that the war against terrorism is still alive and um yeah i mean it's funny it's very well thought out there's some very quirky moments in it that i really really enjoyed obviously it's a very uncomfortable subject matter because anything to do with terrorism and you know extremists and also not that but injustice because you because the fbi are the enemies of this piece you see them manipulate moses and his crew to their own ends to try and sort of get a pat on the back from their bosses and it's just you know it hurts at the beginning of the film a caption comes up where it says this is based on hundreds and hundreds of true stories and you know you just think of course it is you know you can see you know the fbi and other sort of organizations probably do this all the time to try and save face or try and get results um and try and sort of show the public their worth and unfortunately people do suffer as they do in this film performances all round Anna, Anna Kendrick's amazing um plays a bit more of a serious character in this she's not really the comic relief although she does have some nice comedic moments um yeah the film flowed really well it has a very important political and social message which um I got totally, I really, really liked that side of the movie. Um, and I also felt very sorry, even though he, you know, had extremist views. I felt very sorry for uh, the character of Moses as he struggled along, not only with having to deal with an FBI investigation, but having to deal with obviously life issues like not being able to pay his bills and um, his wife and child leaving him. Um, visually, it's interesting it's quite bright it's set in Miami there's some quite nice shots around swimming pools and in the city which is really nice soundtrack is you know it's a cool a sort of urban soundtrack so it fits really well with the style of the film and yeah I mean I liked it I didn't love it it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable at some points but then so did Four Lions and I really liked that film so The Day Shall Come is out in cinemas now and I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. Next up is a film that's part of the London Film Festival called The Last Black Man in San Francisco which is a story based um, on, based on a story by Jimmy Fales um, directed by Joe Talbot. Jet Fails actually stars in the film as the lead character, along with Jonathan Majors, Danny Glover, Rob Morgan, Mike Epps. Um, oh, it's such an unusual, beautiful film, which just shows you the pros and cons of living in a city in the United States, especially if you're a person of colour. The trials, tribulations, the everyday grind that people have to go through and experience to try and strive to just make a life for themselves so the story is is based around the character of Jimmy Fails who is living in San Francisco in the Bay Area and he's sort of wandering around with his friend Montgomery and they sort of explore the city they go to work um, but there's this house that they keep going back to and even though there are people living in the house, Jimmy is uh, obsessed with the maintenance of the house. He paints the window ledge, even though the owners ask him not to. And it turns out that this house 
he thinks was built by his grandfather in the 1940s and therefore it's his inheritance it's his you know family home and he will do anything to belong there and with the help of Montgomery they managed to move in and live in the house for a while the style of the film is beautiful the music is second to none with one of the best soundtracks I've heard this year both incidental music and the actual soundtrack itself the cover of um, the song San Francisco is beautiful and very prominently placed within the film performances incredible Jimmy Fails and Jonathan Majors together are an amazing double act and you can really see that there is a respect and a friendship and a love for each other they almost can't go on or live without each other they are the backbone of each other's lives and it's a really really beautiful relationship to see develop the story itself is interesting it's emotional it's a story of neglect it's a story of hope it's a story of longing belonging longing and belonging um, and also a story of creativity and that that trying to strive for you know to be better to have a better life and I thought it was amazing it also obviously has a lot of um, it sort of discusses the issues around racism within the states and opportunity for black men for example um, for prime example in the United States and it deals with these issues very well and it's a very thought-provoking piece and uh, I think it will go down very well at the film festival it's already got really good reviews where it's been shown before so I'm going to give The Last Black Man of San Francisco 9 out of 10 because it was a very moving story very well done the music is gorgeous performances are brilliant and it was a really thought-provoking movie ready or not here i come you can't hide a very prevalent song for this movie even though it's not in the soundtrack which i thought was very strange ready or not so this film played at fright fest uh, but i didn't see it because i was watching the dark shadows documentary and I really wanted to see it on its release so that I could talk about it with a more wide range of people um, that possibly didn't go to Fright Fest. So, yeah, here we are. Ready or not. So Ready or Not is about a bride who at her wedding reception is told by the groom that she must take part in a family game that his family have planned. And this is a tradition the everyone who's joined the family has done it and she must select which game she wants to play in this weird sort of festival thing going on and she chooses hide and seek but what she doesn't know is that hide and seek is probably the deadliest game she could have chosen here is a clip I just came to get a drink. I have to call the others. No, you don't. No, you can help me, please. This doesn't end well for you. I just don't want to be the one to serve you up. Daniel. I'm begging you. I'm really sorry about all this. It's true what they say, the rich really are different. I'll give you a 10 second head start. Daniel. One 
She's in the study! So, Ready or Not is directed by Matt Bellalini-Opin and Tyler Gillett. Now, let me tell you, to begin with, I was very excited to watch this film. I loved the trailer. I thought, what a very, very clever setting for a horror movie in a big mansion house. Um, you know, one character trying to fight for survival. Reminded me a little bit of the film You're Next, which came out a few years ago. So Samara Weaving's character is basically trying to survive in this huge house from this demented family that believes that if they don't kill her by dawn, then Satan is going to destroy them, which, you know, it sounds a lot more fun than a lot of weddings I've been to. But my main issue with this film is the plot doesn't really make sense. And here's why. Little spoiler. If you don't want spoilers, turn away. So throughout the film, they're basically trying to kill Samara Weaving's character in this game of hide and seek. But then sort of three quarters of the way through the film, it's mentioned that they actually want her to perform a ritual on so that her blood will release them from a curse, which if they don't kill her by if they don't have her blood and perform this ritual by dawn, they will all die. Now, they said also that they need her alive to perform the ritual. So why the hell for the last hour have we been trying to kill her? You know, if we need her alive at the end, why are they trying to shoot her in the face for pretty much an hour of the film? It didn't really make sense. And that really let it down for me because I walked out going, there's a thousand other ways that those characters in that film could have sorted that situation out. But what we got was a rip-roaring, funny comedy. And now I'm not going to take it away from the film. The film is very entertaining. I hardly had any nails left from biting them uh, during this movie. It's very exciting. It's fast. It's furious it's gory it's funny um it's very very well acted but it was just the plot that let it down for me and it has got one of those sort of twists at the end where you just go oh really okay interesting so I didn't hate it but then again I didn't love it like I wanted to so I'm gonna give ready or not Seven and a half out of ten, and that's purely because it doesn't make sense. Bonjour to Le Monde. Yes, it is movie reviews, and we have quite a lot to review this week. And first up is The Last Tree. Now, I went to see The Last Tree a couple of nights ago, and I can say that it is one of the most moving, well-made beautiful socially relevant films that I've seen in a very very long time. Uh, the basic plot is a young boy is being brought up in care and his real mother comes and takes him away back to their home in London before he's been living in the idealistic countryside and now he's being taken back to sort of urban London and the contrast between these two environments is huge and has a massive impact on our lead character. Here is a clip. You missed my class today. Again. I'm not learning today, sir. I'm not learning though. You come in here stinking of weed, got specks of blood all down there. I told your mum you wouldn't fail, not on my watch. That's where you fucked up. What do you want from me? Always a tough guy. Your mum told me about your foster care. You know, I can't imagine what that must have been. That your business. Confusion. Yeah, I'm what? Don't know shit about it. Stop right there. Or what? And that was a clip from The Last Tree. So... Um, you have to be objective when you look at this movie because obviously I grew up in a very, very different environment from what the characters in this film grow up in. So it's very interesting to watch. There's a lot of issues um, that are 
sort of relevant with the black community, for example, um, with gang crime and not feeling like a person belongs because of various issues that have gone on within the families and their communities. So with the last tree, it's about a boy that is taken away from probably the most idyllic place a child can grow up and placed into an urban dangerous setting where he is gone from a very loving environment to one that is filled with danger and I thought that was amazingly played. Gabby Misola who plays the mother in the movie is absolutely incredible. Her performance is both heartbreaking, you sort of despise her as well but then when you come to understand the character and the way that she acts and her background you really sort of realize that she's quite a sympathetic character and that you that she has a lot of underlining issues going on and Sam Adiwami is fantastic as the lead character he really really portrays Femi with this sort of naivety yet longing he's very wounded by his childhood you can tell that the move back to London when he was younger has desperately affected him he's fallen in with the wrong group the wrong crowd is getting into a lot of trouble and he's an intelligent boy so you can see that this is not the path that is really meant for him but he sees no choice but to take it and it's heartbreaking and it's beautifully shot I mean let's just talk about how it looks uh, visually it's stunning from the opening sequence of the boys playing in the field and the sun rising and uh, to the scenes in urban London where you it sort of goes from natural beauty to man-made beauty so to speak although some might say that the scenes set in London are anything but beautiful but the fact is that this film is dealing with a very prevalent issue of the disillusionment of the youth, especially within the black community. But, you know, it's prevalent everywhere. Why are kids getting into crime? Why are they getting into violence and drugs? It's because their environments aren't stimulating enough. There isn't enough for them to do. There's a sense of hopelessness. And this all comes out in this movie, which I think makes it one of the most socially relevant films I've seen in such a long time. I do think that it should be on the curriculum of every single school in the UK to show young people that no matter how lonely they feel how desperate and worthless they feel that there is something there is a niche out there for them and they just have to work hard they just have to find someone that they can trust and love and who will take care of them and if you do that then you know you'll be able to explore your personal worth in the world and you know it sounds idyllic but this is what this film really showed me it showed that no matter how hopeless a situation may feel there is hope out there and I thought it was absolutely beautiful and very 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 well directed um uh, the soundtrack is crazily beautiful I mean I don't say that lightly. It is a stunning, stunning soundtrack. And yeah, I loved, loved, loved The Last Tree. So if you want to get out there and try and find it, it's available now at most cinemas. I know that Cineworld are showing it in some locations. So if you want to get out there and watch this beautifully directed by Shola Amu, um movie also written by um, Shola Emu I must mention that it is based on some of his real life experiences so a very very personal film for this for this filmmaker and it's absolutely stunning so get out there find it and watch it 
you won't be disappointed. I give The Last Tree 10 out of 10. got a lovely letter here from Lucy in Hammersmith about the BFI Film Festival or the London Film Festival as it's known by others. So dear film, let's see what she did there. If any of you haven't worked out from the name of the podcast, dear film, that's very, very good, Lucy. I am a member of the BFI and I've managed to get tickets for the hottest films at the festival, including The Lighthouse, Jojo Rabbit and The Irishman. Wow, that is a great three films right there that's incredible not many people managed to get tickets for all three um and irishman um is there a way that i can review these films for the films i love most podcasts for other film lovers to hear kind regards lucy from hammersmith yes of course there is if any of you want to review a film and you want to send in your voice messages just record a voice memo and send it to the film I love most podcast at yahoo.com. That's film I love most podcast at yahoo.com. Send me the voice memo, and of course, I will include it in the podcast. This podcast is nothing without you. So let's talk about the London Film Festival for a moment. I have seen some films uh, from the festival already due to press screenings. Um, I can't remember what they are. I might need a little bit of help with this, actually. Is there anyone out there that can help me? Thanks, Future Keith. Yeah, I've just left the BFI South Bank, having just watched two press screenings. First press screening was for Monos, and the second, Little Monsters. Two very contrasting films, but both entertaining in their own ways. So we'll be talking about those later on the podcast. Back to you, Future Keith. Oh, that lad, he's so, so attractive. Bless him. Um, (laughs) Thank you, past Keith. Yes, Little Monsters and Monos I have seen already and a few others. But I will be reviewing these movies on next week's podcast and the podcast the week after that, because that is the London Film Festival. And I don't want to review the films before you guys have had a chance to see them, which I think is only fair. Um, Next week, we will be reviewing The Lodge. We will be reviewing The Lighthouse, The Report. Like I said, Monos and Little Monsters. Uh, Leap of Faith, which is the documentary about William Friedkin, who wrote and directed... No, he didn't write, sorry. He directed The Exorcist um, and The French Connection, um, among many other films. So, yeah, I've got a lot to be reviewing next week. It's all about the London Film Festival for the next couple of weeks. So if you are going to see any films at the Film Festival, please make sure you contact us. You can get hold of us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And you can email us at filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. You can send it in written form. You can record a voice memo. You can even record a video if you like. But, you know... I don't really see the point of that because it was a podcast and no one will see you. But I will be able to put them up on Facebook if you send me a vid. Um, Yeah, so please get involved. This is a really exciting time for us at Film Lovers, the London Film Festival. And I really want to create a community where we can all get involved and enjoy the lovely cornucopia of films that are going to be available. So get involved, guys. Please, please, please. So on the small screen this week, we're going to be talking about Unbelievable, which is a new series which has just come on to Netflix. I think it came on last week, actually. Um, it's about police procedure and about how female victims of rape are treated by law enforcement in the United States. It's based on a Pulitzer Prize-winning article from Tay Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong called The Unbelievable Story of Rape. And it's based around... Two different cases, although perpetrated by the same person. So we have one character called Marie, who is sexually assaulted in her apartment. Uh, It's a prolonged, violent attack on her. And when she reports it to the police, the police don't believe her because of her background. She used to be in care, uh, foster care. She has a bit... 
a, not a file which basically leads the police to think that maybe this is a cry for attention and not a true thing that happened to her, which, in, you know, is just deplorable when you watch the series. And then in the second episode, it moves to two cops who um, are investigating a similar rape of a woman in an apartment block and they decide that they're going to bring their investigation together to try and catch the perpetrator. Now, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver play the cops. And from that moment, those two characters come together. It's about procedure and about how the police have their hands tied when it comes to red tape when it um, with rape allegations. Because even though some women are believed some women aren't and even though in this story all the women were attacked by the same person there's that one girl marie who isn't believed because of her of her past and it deals with this issue really well it's also quite harrowing there are some quite graphic descriptions of sexual violence and sexual assault so if you don't like that sort of thing this is probably not going to be the series for you I was hooked. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not really into police dramas like this. But from the second, third episode, I couldn't stop. I watched it right up to three o'clock in the morning when I thought I have to go to sleep. And I'd already watched five episodes at that point. I think it is brilliantly acted, tightly scripted, very topical, very socially relevant and very interesting. And I just think that a lot of people should watch this and... My, I take my hats off to the people involved in making this series because it's an issue that needs to be talked about. There are women out there that are being assaulted and not going to the police at fear that they're not going to be believed. And that's not a society that we should be forming. We should be have we should have it that women can go to the police and men. I mean, let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush about this. Men do get raped as well. And but this story in Unbelievable is just particularly focusing on women. But, you know, we need to create a more open, welcoming um, society where people who are victims of these attacks and victims of these crimes feel that it's OK to go to the police and report them. And that subject matter is dealt with very well in Unbelievable. Now, Unbelievable is available on Netflix I would say it's probably one of the best shows that I've seen on Netflix for a long time. I can't recommend it enough. Um, just go into it with the right state of mind because it is, uh, it's quite harrowing. Although there are brilliant moments of comedy that come from Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver's characters. Um, it is quite bleak. So, yeah, unbelievable. Available now on Netflix. <laughs> Now we're going to be hearing from the lovely Laura as she tells us what film she loves most. So the film I love most is Wally um, by Disney Pixar. Uh, first off, just it's stunningly beautiful from the off when you see this wasteland and the depth of it all up until when he's in space and they're dancing around the ship and the stars. It's just it's just so visually pleasing to watch. Um, just the atmosphere of the film, you know, you're following this little lonely robot on this giant planet and he's still finding ways to find joy and happiness and fun to when Eve comes down and he's found a new friend and he's falling in love and he tries to keep her happy even though she's shut down. That's just so beautiful to watch um, and just kind of see how his journey develops and how he's his own little character even till the end when he becomes characterless and you just you get choked up because this little happy robot is now nothing. But when he gets that spark, that little kiss from Eve at the end and he comes back and everybody cheers, um, it's just such a beautiful film. So that is a film that I love most. Thank you, Laura. Yes, Wally is one of the most adorable, lovely films you can see. Uh, and also a very relevant film. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about on today's podcast are social issues and issues concerning the human race, 
politics, justice. But Wally is about a planet that we have created, which is just a basically a rubbish tip. And not only that, but also when we go up into space and we meet the human beings of the future, they can't even walk. They're too full of junk food and unhealthy eating and therefore they have to hover around on these floating chairs because they're too obese now i'm not fat shaming before i get ridiculed for that all i'm saying is that is the depiction of the human be of human beings in the film so um we become lazy and we can't sort of look after ourselves and we've destroyed our planet and you have woolly sort of the character who's trying to constantly repair the planet and make it better and there are so many woolies out there at the moment young people especially that are trying to sort of fix the planet and raise awareness and the subject matter of woolly is very very important all those things that laura talked about of course the relationships between the characters the plot the um the way that the film is made it is stunning but i want to look at the social element of the movie which is yes we are destroying our planet and we need to do something about it and it's really interesting to see a kids film especially a kids film from nearly 10-15 years ago signposting to us that this is the way that our planet's going to go and we need to change and we're still here in 2019 and nothing much has been done so I think that it's time for the Boris Johnson the Donald Trumps of the world to get out there and maybe re-watch Woolly and try and salvage what we have left of our beautiful planet but when it comes to Woolly as a film it's beautiful it's amazing it's Pixar at its best and I give it 10 out of 10. Film found for a pound doink yep still haven't got those jingles sorted but hopefully they're on their way i have been speaking to a man about it um just gonna take a big gulp of my tea which is a little bit cold now but and we are now going to talk about film found for a pound now we've had a lot of interesting film founds for a pounds this week we've had american beauty once which is the musical that was in the west or it was a movie first and then it was in the west end uh, v for Vendetta, which is a great film to find for a pound because I've watched that film every year for the last, God, it must be the last 10 years. I've watched it every day on the 5th of November. So that time is hurriedly approaching. So get that V for Vendetta Blu-ray slash DVD ready for the 5th of November. But well done for finding it for a pound. But this one I'm going to focus on because it's very interesting and it's also... A great film, but I came to this movie through the play. So the film is Suddenly Last Summer. It was a play written by Tennessee Williams in the 1950s. It's very rarely been performed in the UK because of its subject matter. It is very, very dark and very gruesome and, you know... If they'd made it into a full film in the 80s, it probably would have been seen as one of the video nasties. It's not a very pleasant story, but the film is amazing because of who it stars. I mean, it stars Elizabeth Taylor, Catherine Hepburn, Montgomery Cliff, uh, Mercedes McCambridge. You know, all of these huge, huge stars appear in the film adaptation of Tennessee Williams' Sunday Last Summer. The thing I love about this film is it's such a slow burner to begin with. You have no idea what's going on. It's a t It was made in 1959, so it's a locked-off camera for most of its scenes. It's like watching the play for the first sort of 30 minutes of the film. And I know that some people get a little bit restless with that, but I quite enjoy it because it's all about the dialogue and the setup for what's coming later. And when you get to the scenes in the nunnery and then you go into the asylum that's when the film really starts to pick up pace and it's a really really interesting story what i really like about it it's very forward thinking it deals with a lot of lgbt issues not only the issues of the person itself but of the families and family members it's um, a film that watched now through the eyes of you know a millennial it's actually you know quite hard hitting and quite forward thinking 
what I really like about it are the performances. Elizabeth Taylor, Catherine Hepburn. Oh my God, you know, like them together on the same, on the screen together are just incredible. And it's a really, really well acted film. I know that Tennessee Williams was involved in the screenplay along with uh, Gore Fidel, who, you know, whenever I hear Gore Fidel's name, I always just think of Caligula. I just think, oh, Caligula, what a disaster. But Sunday Last Summer isn't. It has one of the most shocking, twisting, heart-stopping conclusions to a film that you will ever, ever see. And also with the play... Of, you won't get to see the play. It's never performed here. I've seen the play once um, when I was in Minnesota. I was lucky enough to catch a sort of semi-professional production of it. And I thought this is going to be the, the only time I ever get to see this apart from watching the film. But it still stops my heart at the end. The monologue that Elizabeth Taylor gives in the movie is um, amazing. Catherine Hepburn's monologues are just delivered with such precision she has the character down to a t and yeah it's a really 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 good good movie and if you want to see something it's a bit of an oddity it's a bit of a rarity then please please check it out because it's great and well done for whoever found it for a pound whoop whoop Remember, lovely film lovers, that this podcast is nothing without you. So please don't forget to keep your lovely comments coming, your letters, your observations. What film should I be watching? Give me a recommendation. You know, I'm watching what I want to watch at the moment. I need to be told to watch something. So send those recommendations to Film I Love Most podcast on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And you can also contact us at Film I Love Most podcast at yahoo.com that's film i love most podcast at yahoo.com this like i said this this podcast is nothing without you so please contact me i'm in desperate need of the attention before and there you have it that is the films i love most podcast for this week thank you so so much for joining me i hope you found at least one thing that i've inspired you to watch on this week's podcast that is what i'm here for to um, aspire you to get out there and watch some great movies and hopefully parting with a pound as a charity shop so that you can do your good deed for the day and get a great film out of it as well for film found for a pound so thank you i can't thank you enough it's amazing how many people are listening to the podcast um over 3,500 subscribers now that means a hell of a lot to me because it just you know it just shows that you're interested in what I'm saying and I'm interested in what you're saying and we're building a lovely lovely community together so that's great thank you so much next week we'll be focusing mostly on the London Film Festival including a little little review of the upcoming movie Judy starring Bridget Jones herself Wenny. Wenny, <laughs> Renny Zellweger, Wenny Zellweger, yeah, so Renny Zellweger is starring as Judy in the new film, I will be reviewing that next week, thanks very much, have a lovely week, enjoy the weather, and I shall see you very soon, bye! bye.